the, uh, the book of John, uh, chapter 20 this morning. After uh, Jesus had uh, died on the cross, and uh, there was, uh, it's, uh, it's something, you know, after all the, uh, the drama of the, the trial and the, the scene in the garden, um, and then we move to uh, the crucifixion. The crucifixion uh, uh, moves along pretty quickly because of the necessity to uh, have it ended so that they could prepare for the, the Sabbath day, which, of course, was uh, that Saturday. So Jesus was uh, taken down uh, off of the cross, and he was very hurriedly placed into a, a barter tomb there in the garden, just a place to kind of hold him uh, until they could uh, perform the, uh, the burial rites there on, um, on the Sunday morning. And, um, and so it was a very rushed thing. And Matthew 27, the, uh, the last words of Matthew 27, it says that, and so on the Sabbath they rested as was the custom. And I know a lot of times in my mind I think about what that Sabbath was like and how much rest there actually was. What could have been going through the disciples' minds? What could have been going through the mind of Mary and Martha and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and all the people who had followed him? What could have been going through the mind of John and Peter as they faced the reality that Jesus was now dead? And how they must have thought about how we can go on with our lives. What did worship mean to them their day as they reflect on the Sabbath of, of the Lord? And his, uh, and his promises, you know, what, what could have possibly been going through their mind as they think about the loss of, uh, of hope, of how they think about what, uh, how they could go on with their lives and what this would mean to them. And the one thing that really never crossed their mind was the thing that Jesus told them in the Scriptures several times as he ate with them, several times as he met with them, he said that he would have to suffer and that he would die. And he told about a resurrection that was coming. But in their hearts, because of their situation, because of their despair, because of the blindness that comes with the agony of seeing someone that you probably had in your mind was going to be a military leader and build an earthly kingdom, now was dead and buried. And so the one thing that Jesus had promised them was the last thing that they possibly could think would happen. And so as they wake up on that Sunday morning, as they wake up on that resurrection morning, they come to the tomb, not believing what Jesus had told them, not believing that he was risen, but Jesus was going to show himself alive. So let's read in the book of uh, John chapter 20. We'll begin with verse number one. It says this. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone was taken away from the tomb. So he ran and went to uh, Simon. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other's disciples. And the one whom Jesus loved said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciples, with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. 
And stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloth laying there from which he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following in, following him and went into the tomb. He saw that the linen cloth was laying there and the face cloth which had been, which had been on Jesus' head, not laying on the linen cloth, but folded up in place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the temple first, I mean, had reached the tomb first, had went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that we must that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there, sitting there where the body of Jesus had been laid, one on one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbanomi, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your father, and to my God, and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that we had said these things to her. Couldn't imagine. Jesus had promised in the scriptures that he would be risen from the dead, but it was the last thing that they thought possibly could have happened. And so he's pictured this scene that Mary Magdalene and the, the other text tells us that some other women are there with us, with them. And uh, they're going to the tomb. They're going to the tomb with their, with their spices. And they're going to the tomb to finish the work of this burial. They're going to the tomb to lay the rest their friend, someone they thought was the Messiah, someone who thought was going to be their leader, someone they thought was going to be their savior. And so she walks, she walks to the tomb, and as she's getting closer to the tomb, she looks straight ahead, and she notices the stone had been rolled away. And so you would think that as the stone was rolled away, that that would call her to mind about what Jesus had told her, but it was the last thing on her mind. And so when she saw the stone was rolled away, she said, somebody's taking him. Somebody has came and stolen away the Lord. Somebody has come and taken the body. Maybe it was the gardener who moved him to another tomb because it wasn't his. Maybe it was uh, some of the uh, Pharisees who'd come and took him. Maybe it was the Roman officials. Something has happened that the stone has rolled away, and Jesus is not in there. Somebody must have taken him. It never crossed her mind that Jesus was risen. And so she went and told the disciples, 
And so the disciples kind of got excited about what had happened, and they were probably mad because they think, well, somebody has taken this body. And so here comes John, and here comes Peter, and they take off, and Peter starts walking. Now, I want you to know the benefit of actually writing the book. When you actually get to write the book, you get to control what's in the book. And so we know that John is the other disciple, and so it says that Peter went towards the tomb. He was running to the tomb, but the Scripture tells us that the other disciple, that being John, that being the guy who wrote the book, beat him to the tomb. You know, Peter probably never thought that John beating him to the, uh, the tomb was something he would ever hear again. But uh, John let him know in the book that the disciple who uh, outran Peter, and it said even again, and then the disciple who outran Peter. So letting him know. So here comes John, and John looks into the tomb. And so John looks in, and he sees that there is the, the linen cloth, and, and there is the, uh, there is the, the garment that he was, he was wrapped in. But he doesn't go in. And now Peter, Peter finally gets there. Slowpoke's done finally arrived. And so now here comes Peter. We got CSI Jerusalem going to walk in here to investigate the evidence as what had happened here. And so Peter walks in, and he says, well, she says she's taking him. Uh, somebody's taking the body, but I look here, and there is uh, the cloth that he was laid in. It was just sitting right there, kind of folded up. And there was the cloth that was on his head, and it just was wrapped there. And so I'm looking out there, and Peter has to go. It looks kind of like he just kind of got up and left. But it never crossed his mind that Jesus had been risen. And so they kind of look, and they kind of stare at each other, and uh, they kind of believe, but they don't know what to believe because they couldn't remember the Scriptures because of their hurt, because of the heartbreak, because of the sheer impossibility to think that Jesus had risen from the dead. It never really crossed their mind that He was risen, even though the evidence told them that was the possibility. The stone was rolled away, and the cloth was there, just like He just got up and walked out. And so they go back to the house to process and to think. But Mary stayed there at the tomb. And she's crying and she's weeping about not only the death of her friend, not only the death of someone that she thought was their leader, someone that was the Messiah, but also the fact that this tragedy has happened. The body was missing. And nobody knows where it is. And all of a sudden, she sees two angels, one at the head and one at the foot. And they look at, the, uh, at Mary and says, uh, who are you looking for? What's the matter? And they said, well, I'm looking, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for his body. Where, where is he? And then as she's talking to the angels, then all of a sudden, there is Jesus standing right there in front of them, somebody that she knew closely, somebody that she knew as a friend, somebody that she had dinner with, somebody that she had fellowship with, somebody that she knew on a very personal level was standing there and said to her, who are you looking for and why are you weeping? So not only now do we have the stone is rolled away, 
Not only did we have the linen garments just folded up and laying there, just like he just got up and left. Now we have Jesus standing right here in front of her face, but yet she looks him square in the eye and thinks he's the gardener because it's so far out of her imagination that that could be Jesus because Jesus is dead. And so she looks him square at the face and thinks he's the gardener and says, well, where have you taken my Lord? If you just tell me, we'll go get him. Isn't it amazing that our hearts could be in such a state that we could be so broken and that we could be so hurt that we don't even recognize the scriptures of what he says about Jesus. We don't recognize the stone rolled away. We don't recognize the linen cloth just sitting there. We don't even recognize sometimes Jesus standing right there in front of our face, that we can be such a broken and lost state, but despite all the evidence that's right there in front of us, we don't recognize Jesus. We don't recognize His presence in our hearts, in our lives. We don't recognize His calling to us. We don't recognize the reality of His resurrection. We don't recognize the reality of His grace. We don't recognize the reality of His presence because we're so blinded by our hurts, by our sins, by our pains, and by our sins and by our lostness. But then, as she's standing there not knowing what to think, Jesus says to her, Mary, Mary. And once he called her name, she then said, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. Isn't it something? Even in all the insurmountable evidence about the truth of the resurrection, isn't it? Amazing, as much as we can hear these stories, as much as we can spend our time in church, as much as we can quote scriptures, we never really, really know it's Jesus until he calls our name. And I pray that Jesus has called each and all of your names. Because that is the point that we realize that He is real. That's the point that He lays upon our heart, that He truly is real. And He speaks not just to our intellect, but He speaks to our soul, and He speaks to our heart. And He says to her, Mary. And at that point, she realized He is alive. And at that point, when Jesus speaks to us, when He calls us by name, when He says, Ronnie, when He says, Jerry, when he says Patsy, when he says Tim, when he, sees, when he says Stephanie, that's the point we realize that he is real and that he is risen. And I pray that they, all of us in this room have heard God call their name. But more importantly, I pray that everyone here this, this morning
that when Jesus called their name, that they responded and said, yes, my Lord. And if you haven't, there's no better day than to respond to his call than this morning. John tells us earlier in chapter 10 of his book, he talks about Jesus as being the great shepherd. And he says, you know what? The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows them by name, and he calls to them, and the sheep know his voice. The greatest evidence that Jesus gives of his existence, the greatest evidence that Jesus gives of his resurrection is his calling of our name. Even though that we may be able to stumble and look past that that uh, moved tomb, or we may be able to look past the, the sitting there of the linen cloth. We may even look past Jesus moving and working as we see him working in our lives. We can ignore all of that because of our disposition, because of our sins, but we cannot ignore the greatest evidence that Jesus brings of his resurrection, and that is his revealing himself to each and every one of us. And so what a great story. What a great ending to this story. You can just imagine as Mary realizes that it's Jesus. And it says that Jesus, that Mary reached up and she clinged to Jesus. She clinged to Jesus because she was was so happy. And you can just imagine that this would be the end of of the movie. You know, all the great movies that you see about the... the, uh, the, the, the husband and wife are the two people that loved each other that were separated, or the husband that had gone off to war and she thought that she was dead, but now here he comes back. Or maybe there was a storm and they thought that they were lost and they would never see each other again, but now they were back together. And there's that end of the movie where they're there and they're uh, embracing and they're there on the beach and there's the waves and there's the sun in the sky and there's the, the music that starts playing. And the credits start rolling there in the theater. And as the lights come up, you're still standing there and all the girls are crying. They're still crying there in the theater. But I'm running over them in the theater because I had the supersized Coke and I need to get to the bathroom. And so you just imagine this great moment. But then Jesus says to her, don't cling to me. Because I have not ascended to the Father yet. What is she telling her? I mean, what is he telling her this morning? He's telling her, hey, this story isn't over. There's still more to be done. She said, he said, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me. I know this is a great moment, but we can't stay in this moment. We can't stay on this pinnacle. We can't stay on this mountaintop. We can't stay on this beach with the nice waves and the beautiful sunrise because I have not ascended. There is more to this story. There is still more to be done. As a matter of fact, this resurrection is merely just the beginning of this story because now that I have risen, I am fixing to go ascend, but I haven't ascended yet. So you need to go and tell all of my disciples to go and meet me at Galilee because that's where I'm going to ascend. 
And right before he ascends, just as he goes up, he meets with his disciples and they're all gathered around, not just the 12, but all the other disciples who would follow Jesus. And as they watch Jesus about to ascend, he looks at them and he tells them, he says, all power has been given unto me and I am sending you out to be my witnesses, to baptize and to teach them and to go out into Jerusalem and into Samaria and to Judea and all the other parts in the world and let these people know that I have risen victoriously over sin. Don't cling to me, Mary, because it's just beginning. Because now that I have risen, I'm calling you to go tell the world that I have risen. But too many of us this morning are clinging. We're clinging to the mountaintop experience. We're clinging to what Jesus did for us in our lives. We're clinging to that moment of salvation when Jesus revealed himself to me, revealed himself to you. And we're clinging to something that Jesus may have done through us in the past. And we're just holding on to those moments. But Jesus says to us this morning to stop clinging because it's not over. Because I have not ascended. And as I ascended, I called you to go and to be my witnesses. And so as we meet this morning, and as we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, that Jesus Christ has called our names, and Jesus Christ has saved us and brought us to his glory and brought us to his salvation. And we celebrate that this morning, and we should celebrate, but we shouldn't just cling. But we should seek to do the work of the Father until he returns. And what work does he have us to do? The work that he would have us to do is to go and let the world, tell the world that he is alive. That he is risen and that he saves. And that he, through the Holy Spirit, calls each and every one of us by name, to reveal himself to us. So where are you this morning? Have you seen all of the evidence, but yet you still don't believe? I pray we move beyond the unbelief this morning and that we listen this morning to hear Jesus call your name and to reveal the truth of his resurrection to your heart and life. Or maybe you this morning, you're clinging. You're clinging on to past glories. Or maybe you're clinging to sin. Or maybe you're clinging to hurt. Or maybe you're just clinging to laziness. I pray that you let that go. And you go out and do what Jesus told Mary. And that is to go and tell them that he is alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the resurrection. 
Lord, I just thank you so much for the death on the cross and, Lord, for that victory that came through the resurrection and for the promise that one day that we too will rise again into victory over sin and death. We raise imperishable and immortal. And Lord, I thank you for the revealing of your Holy Spirit that you come and call us by name and show us the truth of your resurrection. And Lord, we're grateful this morning for your call in our life. And I pray that this morning we will not cling, but yet we will go out and tell the world that he is alive. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to stand in.